0: So tonight, and you can stay, stay seated, Giant Implications, Part 2. I'm going to actually do three parts to this series. And I'm going to actually, we're, we're in the book of Deuteronomy, but I'm going back to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read to you from Genesis 6 again. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. The word of our Lord now came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and took wise for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards. And when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts and minds to your word, Lord God, to what we're going to be looking at tonight, we pray, Lord God, we seek truth. Lord God, we will avoid error at all cost. No, Lord God, it is the truth that sets us free. And, that, Father, we just come before you tonight as truth seekers. For this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if, if you look, you know, at, at the text, this is the Nephilim, uh, essentially translated sometimes giants. Uh, they were before the flood, but they were also after the flood. And so, when we see something like this, I think that whenever you're seeing things in Scripture, there are then clues left to confirm, to affirm what is said in the Scriptures. So, in looking at something like this, I would say, if there were giants on the earth, you know, before and then afterward, I would then say that there has to be some clues that we could find in archaeology, There have to be some clues in literature. There have to be some clues in in, in stories that have been told through the uh, ages, and through artifacts. Do you believe in dinosaurs? Why do we believe in dinosaurs? Because of Jurassic Park. (laughs) You know what? They're playing around with cloning things like that right now. It really is kind of crazy. Why do we believe in dinosaurs? Because we've gone to right, the Smithsonian or we've gone to the Museum of Natural History and we see that there are giant dinosaur bones, okay? There's evidence. One, one day I talked about dinosaurs many years ago and this woman came out to me. She had come out of a, another church in the area. And she said to me, there was never any such thing as dinosaurs. I said, who taught you? I said, my pastor taught, it, uh, taught me that. There was never anything such as dinosaurs. I said, where did the bones come from? She goes, the devil put them in the earth. Now, I want to say this to you. I think the devil may have been involved in dinosaurs. Okay? But I believe there were dinosaurs who roamed the earth. So, again, there obviously are, are clues that we can truly affirm and identify that there were dinosaurs. Well, it should be the same with giants, with the Nephilim. So we're going to take a look at, at, at some of these things tonight. First thing, mythology. Mythology is a collection of myths belonging to a particular culture. So what's interesting about the story of giants and Nephilim, all cultures have stories of giants. So if you, you can go onto all the continents, okay, but the inhabited continents, and through the ages, you will find, right, in their writings, that there are stories of giants. So you can see it in, in Greek mythology, that there were these, these giants, these supernatural beings that roamed the earth. I've, I've spent a lot of time studying uh, the Norse, uh, Norse history, nor, you know, in um, essentially northern, you know, northern Europe. Is that my, is that my head? Is that, is that that buzzing honey again in my ear? The doctor has to give me medication to cure that. Keita, is that you? Keita, I love you. Can't get mad at Keita. She might have an emergency at the hospital. Norse mythology, right? Again, that there were these these giant beings, these supernatural beings. Thor, Floki, you know, get into, again, the Norwegian and the Norse, uh, you know, mythology. American Indians. American Indian mythology, that there were giants who roamed North America. And you look at the different tribes, and you look at the Navajos, and again, These stories have been passed on from generation to generation. I read a book by, it was actually by a Navajo chief, who is indignant because this wasn't taught to them as mythology through the generations. It was taught to them as fact that it wasn't too long ago where there were white giants that the Navajo Indians were battling. And they became very angry. Now, what, what was said in the book was, the white men who came to the North American continent, they debunked the Indian stories that the Indians took as truth. And basically, they created myths. And saying that they were just simply myths that the Indians were passing on from generation to generation. This is a, an article. Again, you can find many of these things. Men eight feet tall once roamed in local forests. And again, this was kind of linked back to things that the Indians said. So, there, there again, in, in actual you know, mythology, could mythology or some of mythology be actually based upon truth? Second, artwork. So, there's, there's all this artwork through the ages. You can find it again on all the different continents of giants, Egypt. Loads of it. You see the person at the person's foot. Either that's a really skinny little child. The um, again, the statues and you know, the big, the big being, the small being. You see this again throughout antiquity, throughout you know the, the artwork. Here's again Egyptian art. More Egyptian art. Much more Egyptian art. These were uh, again. This is something from Egyptian art. Five to six meter tall giant kings in ancient Egypt. You find this again. You find this in, in, in a whole a lot of the you know a lot of the drawings, the carvings that are on walls. Again. In um, this these are Babel. I'm sorry. This this is Assyrian. And again, you see uh, the difference of the. Right, the little person down there in, in red, and then the, uh, the bigger people. The, uh, again, this is um, the Anuki, also the Assyrian. He's holding a lion in this picture. This is a Babylonian. This is an interesting this is an interesting picture. This I don't know if my pointer here disappeared. This is a picture. Of what is that what does that thing look like? Like a snake in there. What does that look like? Does it look like a light bulb? There there are things, you see, we we think of people who lived thousands of years ago as being Neanderthals, right? Ignorant, um, stupid, you know, dumb. I want to tell you that. If you go back and you start, as we're going to look at some of the things tonight, they may have been far more advanced than we actually imagine. Then we look at uh, giant archaeology. Loads of articles right here right here in the United States that have been written through the years of, again, ancient burial ground uncovered skeletons found um, indicate that race of giants once lived on the banks of the Sycamore Creek. This is another article, giant skeletons found. That's a cave in Mexico. Another these are they, uh, these are actual skeletons. I mean that that's a guy, he's taller than Shaq. This is another from England. These are these are actual skeletons. I want to show you some things because there's a lot of fakes. And I want to just kind of, as I've as I've researched this through the years, sifting through. Uh, again, this is in England. By the way, that's the Queen of England who just recently, you know, passed away. And our, her husband. This is the uh, the famous English, you know, skeleton. And um, this is in America. This is was found back in the uh, in the 1900s. And uh, obviously, again. It's, it's a very uh, tall being. This, um, this is a skeleton that has, was unearthed in uh, its uh, Yucatia, Russia. And, you know, if you look, again, I believe this, this is, this is a, a, a genuine skeleton that's been found. You take that skeleton, you stretch him out, I don't know what, nine feet, ten feet tall? Uh, if you've ever seen any information, the, the giants of Catalina Island. And there were uh, a number of these very large skeletons. Catalina Islands is off the coast of California. Of some of the skeletons that you know that were found uh, were found there and unearthed by the archaeologists. Uh, again, beach giants, uh, workers near uh, Victoria. But then there's, there's just again there's loads of these articles that say um, that is a tibia, the bone, one of the bones of the lower leg, and you see again the difference between this one and this is a normal one. Of a, uh, of a normal uh, human being. And this other thing that's been found is these giant footprints. Some of them are fake, but again, I, I believe some of them are real that have been found in, uh, you know, in different locations around uh, the world. We had, a, we had a missionary here a number of years ago, and he had a, um, a fabrication of the footprint morning, and he was saying it was Adam's footprint. I don't believe it was Adam's footprint. I think it was the Nephilim's footprint. And uh, again, you can see this is uh, this is in India. That's a big foot. The guy there, you know, again demonstrating the size of the uh, actual print and his foot. Another one. This is this is one that a number of people claim is true. Must have had his foot up watching television when he did that, but. Um, <laughs> Again, that's a, that's a huge footprint. I mean, If somebody fabricated that and carved it out, they did a, they did a heck of a good job. So there, again, just say this, I'm going to say this, only, there are a lot of fakes. When you start to research this stuff, there are a lot of fake articles. There are a lot of Christians, let's just say, they're, they're somewhat naive. And they just believe anything that anybody says to them. That's why this, you know, going through this stuff even tonight, you need to research this stuff. And if you you know you dig in, you're going to see again. There's a lot of hoaxes. There's a lot of fakes on Google, but then there's some things that really seem to be true. Another uh, key giant skulls that have been found. This is uh, this is really uh, kind of uh, freaky. These you know these skulls and these these actual uh, formation of heads. Again, it appears in the artwork, and um, and then. You know, the, well, I'll say this, the, the elongated uh, skulls um, which have been found, these are skulls that were found in uh, Peru. History Station did an extensive uh, series on these skulls that have been found. Our friend, L.A. Marzulli, I'll show you a picture of L.A., he's been here. And L.A. has talked about his research on the skulls of Paracas, uh, Paracas, Peru. and. Um, Again, these are in the uh, the museum there. This is this is an interesting one. That's a normal u- human skull, and that is this uh, these elongated skulls. And actually, he had red hair, or she had red hair. Uh, others that have been uh, you know been discovered. They primarily these skulls have, been, have primarily been found in um, in the area of Croatia, that area there with old Yugoslavia and Albania, and and it's interesting, Peru is where most of them uh, have been found. Now, if you have ever heard of cranial deformation, anybody ever heard of cranial deformation? So there have been uh, peoples and tribes where they would take their children and they would basically wrap their children's skulls and force them as they grow to have an elongated skull. Cranial deformation. One thing, you know, here's a, a picture of what they would do to the child to create cranial deformation. So the, the, you know, again, the many scientists say, well, this is what you're looking at when you're looking at the skulls of Peru or the skulls of Albania. There's some, there's some challenges there, and I'll show, you, I'll show you what I'll say with that. One thing, one thing when I look at that, why? Why would you do that to your child? Why would you? Why would you wrap your little baby's skull up and force it to be that? Are they trying to emulate something? Or right? is there something there? Was, there? was there some type of a creature there that they're trying to look like? Emulating them. Now here's a. Th- this is a normal human skull, and you know I think if, if you know about a skull, see those those divisions there. They're called, um, they're called suitors, and we all have them. Okay, you actually, you do have a hole in your head. My wife is right when she says you've got a hole in your head. But what, what's interesting, I'm going to show you the, the skulls from Peru. This is a, these are the normal suitors uh, of a human skull. Do you notice the difference between this skull that was found? And this is, again, this is L.A. Um, this is from L.A.'s book. But he is saying this is a Nephilim skull because the suitors are different. They're not the same as, as a human skull. Another interesting thing about the Peruvian skulls, they have a cavity, a skull cavity. that is a third, it is one third bigger than a normal human cavity. In other words, it has a greater mass to hold more brain tissue. So, that could not, again, that seems to nullify that it's just, again, a normal uh, human skull. So, for a number of years, we're saying, DNA tests. Let's do a DNA test. And they have done DNA tests. Let me read to you. I'm going to read to you from uh, skulls that were done. Again, these are the uh, Paracus, uh Peruvian skulls. DNA tests. The DNA tests on 2,000-year-old skulls, which it had been suggested, could come from aliens. That's, what, that's, that's the the word, that they came from aliens, have raised more... By the way, I do not believe in... I hope you know this. I do not believe in, in aliens. I just want to affirm that. I believe in extra, okay, dimensionals, spirit beings, angels, demons. I do not believe in extraterrestrials. I can give you some reasons why I don't believe in that. And uh, I'm not going to today. So, it says, have raised more questions and answers... The skulls found in Peru created a media sensation in 2014 after a geneticist undertook uh, preliminary DNA tests and reported unknown results. Geneticists found that they had uh, mitochondrial DNA with mutations unknown to any human, primate, or animal known. There's something from out of this world. Uh, a second round of DNA testing has now been undertaken, leading to further speculation that the skull's former owners may not have been from this planet. <laughs> I like that, right? The skull's former owners, right? We're not of this planet. So here is uh, here's our friend. We have to get L.A. back. We haven't had L.A. back in the last few years, pre-COVID. This is L.A. Marzuli, He is a, uh, a Christian. He is a researcher. And he proposes pu- the question, Nephilim are alien? Because, again, the DNA has shown that it's definitely not human. So, again, I'm not a believer in aliens. I believe these are the skulls of the Nephilim or the Nephilim's descendants. Remember the Rephaim, the Anakim, all these different uh, descendants of them. How many of you have ever watched the show Ancient Aliens? Okay. Got to be really grounded in scripture. Let me just say, I'm not recommending the show to you. Because they will confuse, I mean, you, especially the guy with the, the hair, right? I think he's, he got hair like that from, from talking aliens or something. But if you watch that show, and just everything they're saying about aliens, if you take it and put it into a biblical context, it fits perfectly with the Nephilim. Everything that they're, you know, that they're saying. That our you know planet was visited by these aliens who were, we treated as gods, Humans treated as gods and essentially worshipped them, and they essentially became the leaders over mankind. I mean, you get into some of their, you know, some of their stories. It fits right in to the whole story of the Nephilim. So uh, that's just kind of because I will watch it on occasion, and I love watching things. It's challenging me to think and to basically be able to dissect it and break it down. Now. Talking about fabrications, okay? That's a heck of a giant skull, right? That's a fake. That's a fraud. You'll see that. You'll see that all over the internet. It's all over. You'll find it on YouTube. You'll find it on Google. It's a fake. It's where you, you really need to be careful. When you, you get a really people who are really good, uh, photo photographers. If I'm saying it right. And these people can break down what is actually being taken. I don't know if, you, if you've seen this on YouTube. You've seen the, the, you see the you've seen them the fabricated um, Michael Saylor, some of these other these fakes. It, the crypt, crypto is exploding, and you have these. Um, they use AI to take. In fact, he's he's probably the one of the richest men in the world. He's a, he's a multi billionaire. His name is Michael Saylor. He's on commercials. AI fake commercials. Over and over again, I'll say that once or twice a day, thousands of times a day on YouTube. It's amazing. Every time I flip on a video, he's on. And if you look really carefully at the video, you can see it's a fake. Sometimes like words are coming out and his mouth is going in the other direction. I guess the AI hasn't been perfected yet. But he's he's promising people send me your Bitcoin and I'm going to send you twice as much and there are people who are sending it to him and these are scammers from I don't, Nigeria Russia and they're stealing people's money. But again, this is this is the we are living folks. Somebody could take one of my sermons, feed it into an AI system, and they can have me up here saying. That, you know, Jesus isn't God, that Jesus isn't the Lord, that Jesus isn't coming again, that the Bible isn't... They they could just totally destroy somebody. They've already been doing that with politicians. They're they're creating fake videos of politicians and putting them out there of people saying things that they never said. But this is, again, this is, I mean, just what they're doing with a photograph. So, again, I'm, I'm stressing this to you. We really need to be careful... When we're examining this stuff, because there is so much, so many things that are fraudulent, that it's very easy to get into deception. And you get Christian, Christians, then you know we get off we get off on a high horse, talking about something that's actually not correct. I just want to say that be, be careful with this. Uh, number five artifacts. So we look at the scriptures. I'll read to you. Uh, First Chronicles seventeen seven and then uh, First Chronicles eleven twenty three, it says now the staff the staff of his spear and it's talking about a giant was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spear had weighed six hundred shekels, and uh, a shield bearer went before him and here's uh, First Chronicles chapter eleven twenty three and I saw I slew an uh, and, and he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature five cubits high, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam and he went down. Uh, to uh, him with a staff and plucked the spear out of his Egypt, Egyptian's hand and slew him with uh, his spear talking about very these are these are are very large spearheads and again if, if this was the case I guess we'd find them and again that's that's essentially that's an arrowhead that had to be one heck of a big arrow right these are these are axe heads look at the side I mean, how big and strong do you have to be to yield an axe that big? I have a fifteen pound sledgehammer. Use it to break up really heavy. Let me tell you something. That thing is that thing's a load to be able to lift and swing. This this is an, again, a spearhead. This one, six hundred shekels, like was mentioned, okay, in the text in the First Chronicles, that's fifteen pounds on a spearhead. You know, you, you, you ever Try to throw a spear with a spearhead of fifteen pounds—it's going down real fast. You're going to be throwing it far. This is um, this is a spearhead. This is a seven-foot spearhead. These are again other spearheads that have been found. So just um, just again, you you go through, you start looking at some of the the archaeological discoveries of the artifacts. There's loads of them, saying that. There had to be some really big, strong people who were yielding these things. The sixth is megalithic structures. And the megalithic structure, essentially, um, we'd say like prehistorical massive monuments that were, you know, that were out there. And uh, I've been to the Great Pyramid, and um, really an, an incredible structure. It's always a dream. I went to, led trips to Israel through the years, hopefully someday we may be able to go back and do another trip to Israel. And then I led a, a trip to, um, to Cairo and we visited uh, the great, I actually have remnants of the great pyramid in my library, which we were not allowed to take and I didn't know that. I could have been put in jail for taking them. And I actually have the granite that, see that sandstone, the granite has worn away through the centuries but there is still granite at the bottom of the Great Pyramid, and I happened to pick up a bunch and put it in my bag, and they never checked me on it. We went with about 13 people to the Great Pyramid, and it was my, again, dream to go into the Great Pyramid, and they had tours going down into the Great Pyramid. So it was my daughter Rachel, and she was about 10 years old at the time, and we went all the way down into the Great Pyramid. And as quickly as we went down, I noticed that the people who were getting down were immediately going back up. And I was like, what, you know, what's going on here? I mean, this is, this is a, I'm I'm sure a lot of these, this is a lifelong dream. I want to get down there. I want to look at the hieroglyphics on the walls. I want to take a look at everything. The merchants who were selling things uh, above, around the Great Pyramid, they were using the inside of the Great Pyramid as their latrine. So when you got down there, the stench was, I mean, you ever go to a latrine after a New York giant game? (laughs) That'll kill you. I mean, you don't, you don't go to the bathroom after a giant game in one of the Porto Polly's. You don't do it. I mean, it's, if you want to get a taste of what hell's going to be like, go in there. And that's what this was like. And again, this dream we had. But again, it, it, an incredible megalithic you know, structure. Interesting about it, it is situated at the center of the world. The very center of the world. How did they do that? You know, without satellites? Jeez, that's a really you know, an amazing thing. I wanna, I'll, I'll read this to you. The, the Great Pyramid of Giza uh, Giza was uh, the most accurately aligned structure on the surface of the planet facing true north with only 630th of a degree of error. Uh, the Great Pyramid is at the center of all land masses on the earth and is the mark, uh, marker set by the ancients as the divider of all the people on the earth. From the Great Pyramid Center, you can use a compass on a map and notice that all the major cities in the world fall in line with a certain math and geometry. So most, most, I say, Marcos archaeologists through the centuries viewed the Great Pyramid as just a burial. It was a, a burial tomb for the pharaohs. And then the more research that has been done, has said that they think it was actually some kind of a power plant. So, you know, you know Tesla, Elon Musk's company? Well, Tesla is named after a scientist, Nicholas Tesla. He was obsessed with the Great Pyramid. And he believed it was an, an actual uh, power plant. He actually built a mini Great Pyramid in Long Island that was able to generate actual power. Interesting. Without pumping in... You know, modern-day electricity. What's interesting too about about the pyramids? They're all over the world. So they're they're, they're I mean, this is uh, th- th- I'm showing you. They're they're all over the world. And you know, it, when you look at them, there's this strange um, structure of. It seems like it it creates some type of a. The right word. What's the right word? A grid. Almost like the internet grid. You have a grid that was over the entire. I want to say again, thinking back to the days of Noah, people were living really long. And I believe there may have been more people on the earth in the days of Noah than there are today. It's about eight billion people on the face, seven point nine billion people on the face of the earth right now. There may have been more people on the face of the earth in the time of the flood, and. Um, I believe these were key central points, since capitals that were uh, there. Here's another. This is another I- interesting uh, thing. This is in 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 Cusco, Peru. These giant stones. And uh, I mean, they're, they're 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 mass they're massive stones. I mean, you get a picture of how big they are, and you you wonder how people could you know move them. But something even more interesting: they fit together where. If you tried to slide a piece of paper between them, you couldn't. Now, how do you how do you get stones? That, look, I've been I, I've been to Israel. I've been you know to Egypt. I've been to a, a lot of you know a lot of places. I see these mega structures that humans have built, and um, you know what? You can sometimes slide your finger like like the Wailing Wall you could easily slide a piece of paper through. People are constantly writing prayers on pieces of paper and sticking them in the wailing wall. There's, there's no place for you to slide a simple piece of paper. How do you do that? I just want to give you, I want to give you something L.A. Marzulli put in my head in a conversation with him. I don't know if, if, if you remember, he might have said it from the pulpit too. He believes that somehow there was a technology that softened the stones. And they were able to move them. Because when you, they, they have not been able to figure this out. Here's another, this is another stone. This is Baalbek in Lebanon. This stone weighs, this is the largest stone on the face of the earth. It weighs 1,200 tons. And they had to move it for miles to get it to where it is because the actual quarry is miles away. How'd they do that? I don't know, you got 20,000 Syrians and whipping them or something to pull, pull the thing? Or was there again a greater technology or people who had far greater strength? This, this you've seen, you know, you've seen Stonehenge. Stonehenge was quarried 150 miles from the current location. That's where they quarried the stones. They didn't have trailer trucks. Right, They didn't have all the machinery and the technology that we have. How many of you ever heard of American Stonehenge? That there's a, 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 pla- a thing called American Stonehenge in New Hampshire. And you know what's interesting about the American? It's not as spectacular looking as the English uh, Stonehenge, but something that's, that's fascinating about it. I mean, this was, again, built thousands of years ago. It lines up with the solstice. Uh, Of the Stonehenge in England, perfectly, and um, without satellite imaging and airplanes, you wonder again what kind of technology you know they had. I think I preached on the Nephilim for about a month back a few years ago. You can find those messages on Living Word Alive if you go to LivingWordAlive.com. I just gave you a a really quick little overview, but again, when we dig into something, we start looking at giants. There have to be clues, right? We have to look, and we have to say there has to be evidence. And I think the thing that I think we look at, and you know, I think something to really consider is, you know, this is uh, Chuck Missler, one of my teachers. Chuck is great. You can find him all over YouTube. Chuck is home with the Lord now, but um, his uh, his documentary on return of the Nephilim. Do the Nephilim come back in the end times? And I want to just read to you from Luke chapter 17, 26 through 29, something again relevant to us today, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day uh, that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. We we read that and we say, well, you know what? Just just people, right? They they were eating and they were drinking, and you know, if you don't if you don't take into account Genesis six verses one through four, it's just life goes on, right? But he he is saying, um, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days of the Son of Man. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold. They planted, they built, but on the day that lot went out of Sodom, it rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them. Even so, it will be in the days of the Son of Man is revealed. What essentially, what essentially happened in Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 4? So we say, okay, you know, angels cohabitated women. Again, was it, was it physical, sexual, or was there some type of manipulation that was going on? Do you know, we, we can manipulate human DNA now. There, there are things that, that we can do today. I mean, you, you've heard of gene editing. China, it's being revealed, China is creating an entire army of mutant soldiers that have basically had their genes edited. Basically, they can run faster, jump higher, they can endure pain, you know, much greater, but... This is something that is being said about China. And you know, just things, if you've heard of the Neuralink, Elon Musk, Tesla, I really like Elon. And Elon has come out and said that some of the things with AI and everything, that this could be really dangerous and be the, day, the end of the world. He's come, out, you know, he's come out and said that. But essentially what it is, it's, it's putting a chip into a person's brain And here's a a picture I pulled off the internet. That's Elon and that's Jeff Bezos, the the founder of uh, Amazon. And essentially, they are able to communicate with each other without talking to each other through the chip. So what we're really seeing is there's some, I mean, are we now changing human beings from being human? Which is essentially what happened. It was a, 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 you know, a hybrid. Of angel and human. And is this what we're you know talking about? Is this what Jesus was talking about in the time that you know that we're in? That, I mean, as it was in the days of Noah. I mean, they're and I mean they're taking animal DNA and mixing it with human DNA. I you know, I've showed pictures of mice with human ears growing on them. Now, you know, so, and again, the the big pharmaceutical companies, the research companies, they present this as essentially something good. That I mean, if, if you can grow an ear on a on a on a rat and you can then remove it, you can put it on a person who doesn't have an ear. Your person has a learning disability and you know they put that chip in their brain, suddenly they're able to, you know, to learn better and learn faster. If they're able to edit the DNA they might be able to edit out diseases like cancer or heart disease or, you know, arteriosclerosis. So it sounds good, you know, when I'm reading things, and some of you guys in the medical industry, you know, you're, you know, you're nodding. Yeah, it sounds good, but are we playing God? It's like, you know, how far are we going? So again, when I look at this, as it was in the days of Noah, know. I think we're living in the last days. And I truly believe the Lord can come at any time. So take that to heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, just the patience, Lord, not only of myself, but many other researchers. And again, being able to sift through, Lord, what is true and what is false. And Lord God, I i like to think the things that were presented tonight, Lord God, are, are true. But I challenge all here, Lord God, that we all need to be, Lord, like the Bereans who search the scriptures. And, Lord God, search what our teachers are teaching us. Father God, we walk away, Lord God, though, truly knowing in our hearts that, Lord God, we are living in the last days. And that, Lord God, we need to be in a place where we're preparing our hearts to meet with you and go to be with you forever. I pray that for all here, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.